0: Hello, and welcome to another special edition of Work Human Radio. I'm your host, Mike Wood. In today's episode of Keeping Work Human, Steve Pemberton talks to our colleague, Hari Date, about the challenges of education during this period. Hari is an adjunct professor at California Lutheran University. I hope you are all doing well and you can enjoy this conversation between Steve and Hari. Take care of each other.
1: Hi, everybody. Steve Pemberton, again, the Chief Human Resource Officer at Work Human. Good to see you again. Uh, Today, for our Keeping Work Human series, we're talking about the impact that COVID-19 has had on education in particular. And I'm speaking with my colleague, Ari Date, the Solutions Architect at Work Human. Uh, Hari is uh, also an adjunct professor at California Lutheran University, where he's been teaching at the School of Professional and Continuing Studies for the past four years. Ari, thanks for joining us. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing very well. How are you?
1: Doing well, doing doing well good, good. in this uh, in this new world. I like your backdrop
0: there. Thank you. Yeah, I wish it was my real backdrop background, but uh, it works for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't we all? You know, I think we're all looking forward to the uh, to those days returning at, yeah. uh, at some point, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, you know, tell tell me a bit about um, uh, you know how this all began uh, for 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 you. I'm assuming that you're in in California, the majority of the Correct.
0: time. Correct. I live in I live in Southern California. Uh, I live in Temecula. I was just talking earlier to some folks. I live on a six-acre horse ranch, and so uh, social distancing for me isn't too difficult. Uh, but even here, we you know we we want to get out. We want to get into the town. We want to see people, uh, and it's tough. You know, we're we're kind of locked in, and we're doing what we're doing here, which is chatting via uh, you know video conferencing tools.
1: Mm. When did this uh, the severity of this begin to unfold for you?
0: You know, uh, probably about three weeks ago it really started to hit. I know from uh, from the school standpoint, uh, it was about three weeks ago that we started to get notifications that uh, you know things were were coming up. Uh, there was a possibility of having to go to a different teaching method, which was really this online approach. Um, I was actually teaching in a classroom for this class that I'm teaching now, and uh, the dean of our program reached out and said, Hari, if this if this were to happen, are you prepared to to go online? Uh, it would really be you know almost a kind of a over a weekend transition." Um, thankfully, I'd I'd already taught online classes uh, for the university, and so for me, the technology, the the approach. Uh, wasn't as great a change Um, so for me it was yeah as soon as you're ready let's pull the trigger I can do this Um, I of course let my students know that this might be coming and I think it was uh, about two and a half weeks ago that as I was finishing the class I had mentioned this to my students just about a half an hour earlier saying this is evolving in real time Uh, it could be within the next 24 hours that I let you know that we're going online that evening at 930, I got an email from uh, the program uh, heads that this, my class was actually going online and the next class would be online the week later. So uh, it was happening in, in that quick a time.
1: And how about your colleagues? You know, how have you found them to be responding? Are, are you in communication with them, uh, fellow professors?
0: Uh, some of them, yeah. I actually, I have a good friend of mine that I brought into uh, into teaching. He actually works um, in HRIS as I did for many, many years. Uh, he was a um, an undergraduate going into uh, San Jose State and was looking for an internship. I brought him on when I was working up in Northern California as a, an intern in our group, and uh, he fell in love with HR and HR technologies, and now leads an HR technology organization. Um, and very similar background to me and wanted to get into education and teaching. And so I pulled him in, and um, he had not taught online. So I did spend some time with him, kind of showed him the ropes on how to get into Blackboard, how to load quizzes, how to load tests, how to load the curriculum, those kind of things. I think it varies. There are some teachers that are a little, I, I hate to say old school, but they've really been focused on the classroom experience. And so going to an online experience using Tools and Blackboard and other tools that we have at our disposal wasn't natural to them, um, and I, so I think for them the transition was harder. Um, because of that, we actually so with the program that I teach in within the within the school that you mentioned, it's the Bachelor's Degree for Professionals program, and that's the program for. Uh, Students that have, for whatever reason, left the university experience, maybe went right to work for whatever reason, right? Life takes over and they're coming back now to get their bachelor's. And so these are 25 plus uh, year old students. Um, Some, it was on their bucket list to just get a bachelor's degree. And so I've had students up in their their 60s. and so, uh, you know, the, the experience varied from from teacher to teacher, I think student to student, but it was it was an adjustment for, I'm sure, many to say, well, how do I do this? How do I go from the classroom experience, um, the activities that we would do in the classroom, the discussions that we would do, I was planning on having presentations. How am I going to do that now through the online experience? And so for some, I'm sure it was much more of a transition of going from brick and mortar to, to virtual.
1: Well, we... You know, generally we've, we've seen, you know, impact upon education at all levels, uh, secondary post, secondary. And, uh, but, you know, the demographic that you teach, people who are well into uh, their professional lives or returning for a degree or advanced, advanced learning, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're not like uh, my, my um, oldest um, is a freshman in college. And doesn't really have any of the responsibilities that a lot of your students do. Absolutely. Uh, whether using a family, paying rent, uh, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Pemberton are paying for <laughs> our son, right? But for the overall majority of your students, you know, that is that is not the case. Right. You know, how Have you begun to see the impact of their educational uh, pursuits with this you know, sudden shift in either their financial realities or uh, their family realities?
0: Yeah. You know, I, I haven't yet, um, but I, I have to imagine that's going to happen. As I said, we, we had a class just last night after being on, on spring break, which in our program, we normally don't take a spring break. We, we are based on an 11 week term. And so we go for 11 weeks. We have about a week and a half off and then we start our next set of classes um, and so this, the university gave everybody, all students, that spring break off um, so that everyone can kind of get their life sort of back in some sort of order uh, or a new order. Um, and for the teachers that maybe weren't ready to go to the virtual classroom to be able to set up, prepare, and, and make those adjustments. Uh, and so last night we got together. And my normal approach is really to spend the first 30, 45 minutes talking about Uh, the classroom topics that we're learning. And so right now I'm teaching international uh, business and really with a focus on international culture and how do people from different cultures relate with each other? How do businesses where maybe you have people working in different countries, how do you interact with them from a social standpoint, from a cultural standpoint, understanding diversity, all of those things that come into play. And so I like to spend the first 30, 45 minutes of our class to talk about what we're reading in the text and how does that maybe relate to experience that you're actually having in the workplace. Um, if I teach organizational behavior right organizational behavior is hitting us every day in the face if even if you don't know it if you go to the grocery store if you're at work wherever it may be so we talk about those experiences so they can actually put them in a sense of reality of not not what the words say in the book and what the definitions are and who said this back in you know 1854 but what does that mean to me today in the real world and so we talk about that and we talk about those experiences so yesterday for the first 45 minutes um, we took a little bit of a detour and talked about COVID-19, right? And what's that been for you and how has it impacted you? Um, yeah, some of my students have lost their jobs, right? And uh, But they're still coming to class. Um, some of them are working or, or taking classrooms from home where they don't have a desk properly set up. And so they're sitting on their sofas or they're sitting in a bed or at their kitchen table and they've got family roaming around. Um, so it's been, it's been a challenge. It's been difficult. Um, one of my students last night said that they're, employer went from, I think, about 350 employees down to 88, and they just furloughed almost two-thirds of their company, Um, right? And these are real challenges. How do you still continue to deliver the great work that you're supposed to be doing as a person, as an organization, as a company, um, when these kinds of changes are happening around you? And there's a personal connection, I'm sure, to many of these people that have left uh, that are no longer there. The work still has to get done. Are you now taking on the job of fifteen people, or is the work not getting done? What are the downstream implications? So these are all concerns that my students have um, about their job, about their about their tomorrow, about their finances. I mean, all those things, right? That we're all worried about. But uh, you know, to your question, I haven't yet seen students saying, "I can't do this," um, and you know, dropping out or or saying this is too much. Uh, I, for for them, they've come back, right? And it's not easy to go and get a degree and, and push on this is a milestone for each and every one of them. And so they're pushing forward to make this happen. And
1: there, there, there is something uh, that we can all take from the ways in which your students are, are reacting. Uh, You've got to imagine that uh, that's not an easy decision to make, yep. uh, but, but they're, they're actually you know, making it. And hopefully that portends what will be the future that you'll see people doubling down on the commitment to education, uh, the commitment yeah. to bettering not just their life, but the lives of those around them. This kind of recentering of humanity yeah. uh, that we're beginning to see uh, that um, while we absolutely did not need it to happen this way, uh, but we are seeing it nevertheless. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, perhaps there is this, Realization that this is where we should have been, maybe, maybe all along. Um, yeah. And and I find particularly with uh, adult learners, those who return to school, uh, who oftentimes, they, you know, some adversity, uh, maybe some financial reality prevented them from continuing uh, their their education, had to step away, maybe take care of a family member. And I've always found that having uh, those students. Uh, in times like these are valuable because they they've seen not none of us have seen anything like this, right. uh, but those experiences in a in classroom you know matter for everybody else to see as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. yeah, and I think you know what when I, when I look at my students and when we have our conversations, it's a different experience than somebody that has just graduated high school going to college because that's the normal thing to do. Um, for these students, there's much more of a dedication, much more of a focus on I'm, I'm here because I want to be here, not because society's kind of said, well, that's the next step that you take. Right. Um, right. And so for some of them, it's career development. For some of them, um, you know, it's well, my my company is saying that I can't get that promotion until I get my bachelor's degree. Um, for some, it's a, you know, a change in life or a career change that they're looking to make. Uh, and uh, like I said for some it's just the thing that they wanted to complete uh, in their lifetime. And so they're they're coming back to finish that
1: I wanted to ask a bit about The other side of this and when we emerge out of it, I firmly believe that humanity is going to find a way and yet this is one of those uh, events that shapes a generation um, You know we parents grandparents uh you know have had events uh, that have a generational kind of impact and imprint you know upon us and some of them we have read about right? um, uh, great depressions uh world wars uh you know some of them are more positive or landing on the moon you know for example these kind of universal uh, life events that um You you, and so you can in that context you can easily see us um, talking in future generations a pre COVID uh, and a post COVID you know world Um, many things that um, we 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 deal with um, natural disasters for example um, are are localized Um, and so we we we, it, it happens we respond with extraordinary goodwill, um, and then we return, you know, kind of to the way things were. I don't think that's going to happen this time around, um, that there's going to be uh, a generational impact in, across all dimensions of society, uh, from healthcare, which is obvious, um, uh, to the ways in which we interact and who we define as leaders and what attributes we seek in the leader, all of those things. Uh, but I'm curious about education as well, because there's two areas, it seems to me, uh, at least at first glance, that are going to be on the standard ones, right, of the, the world of medicine and identifying viruses. Uh, but I mean more like the daily life. One of them is how we work in general, specifically working from home. That's one of them. Um, and then the other is your work. Uh, as an adjunct professor and how education is going to be architected and manifested after this. Uh, Given that you were technologically comfortable in the medium of online teaching and the like prior to this, are are you able um, to kind of forecast a bit as to what you think that that world might look like?
0: Well, you know, I think... um we We kind of saw the trend already happening uh where universities were going to online right we we were seeing it in the business place where we're meeting employees where they are, right? We're delivering technologies uh, in formats that they're comfortable with to their to cellular devices, to pe- iPads, to whatever those technology tools that might that they may have. And so I think in the educational system, as from what I was seeing, we were already starting to see that shift taking place to an online experience so that because we knew that students uh, didn't always have the ability to get into the classroom, right? They're, they're, they have a life outside of, in my situation, work and class and Home and family and all the stresses that go with that, and so we at Cal Lutheran put together this online experience, an online uh, classroom experience, um, about two years ago. And because we knew that we had to reach uh, the the students where they were, and that was typically after work that they wanted to be home. And so with that, so we were there. I think for a lot of institutions, it's going to be this is going to be a learning moment of yes we can and yes we did. Um, And that, you know, we can reach a lot more students through this, through this approach. Um, We can bring more students back into higher learning, uh, different learning, whatever that might be. Um, Education never stops, right? Just because you get your one degree, you graduate high school, get your bachelor's, whatever your, that milestone is, it doesn't stop. You're always learning. Uh, even if there's not a degree associated with at the end of the at the end of the journey. So I think universities uh, school systems in general will say yes we did and or and and yes we can and we will continue to do that. Um, I think on the broader aspects I was you know to that question. Um I've worked in organizations and in companies where we had conversations about what about allowing our employees to work from home. And the first question was or the first response was we don't trust our employees to do that. We don't trust that if they're at home that they will actually be productive. We don't trust that if they're at home that they won't be sitting around watching movies or basically being on vacation. Um, And so the, the question became instead of how do we make that possible, the questions became what technologies are out there so we can monitor our employees? And you know, how do we know that the computer is still active and that the mouse is moving and that they're not watching uh, videos, streaming videos, but they're actually working in a, in a Word document or things of that nature? Um, and it all went to trust, that we didn't trust as an organization that our employees were here for the right reason, You know, the, the, their purpose, their passion of who they did it for, and the pride in the organization that they've worked for. Um, I think this event is going to create a sense of trust in these organizations to say, we were forced to make this happen, and look at the outcomes that we've had. Right, our employees—they stood up, they took ownership, and they did—and they delivered. Um, and we're seeing it across the board. Right, we're seeing productivity uh, going up. We're seeing people doing their best work when they're in a disconnected workplace. Um, and it's—you know—it's—it's it's inspiring to see. And I think those are one of the things that we're going to continue to see after this is uh, in the rearview mirror and behind us. As yes, we can, and yes, we did. We, we lost nothing
1: in the way of speed, uh, of efficiency, yeah. in, in large part because the circumstances necessitated it. You, you didn't have a choice. Uh, right. in, in, in my role, um, I didn't have a choice. My team didn't have a choice about how we were going to handle physical distancing and uh, the closure of our offices. Those weren't choices. Those were things that... One we had to get done, and we had to get them done remotely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this, you know, historical view somehow that you could not trust people uh, to execute and deliver uh, was not born as we're learning in in any kind of reality. And uh, to put some of the onus on HR, if if you, you might have to reassess your either your development plans or your recruiting plans if you feel that uh, you you have to. Uh, Hover over over your over over your employees, yeah. Um, and people will rise to the level of trust often that uh, you know that, that that you give them. Yeah. Um, it, there's also this other reality around access, and and so I'm thinking about you know, the classes that that you're teaching. Uh, for whom, you know, do I go back? Do I not go back to school and access and or time? Being one of the obstacles. The Same thing with work from home. Like there's these kind of converging worlds around returning to school uh, and working from home. Same kind of issues: access, yeah. time, uh, all of which technology it seems to me is um, you know is mitigating. Uh, and that should be one of the things I hope that will you know shift and accelerate that you know the, that transition that you rightly point out. You know has been happening for. Mm-hmm. For, for quite some time. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. What I what think it, it, for
1: profession. It, it, uh, you know, uh, for, for, what will that mean for professors? You talked about some of your colleagues. You, know, one of your colleagues who you were bringing up to speed, right? What, what do you? What, what? What will that mean for those who have kind of been resistors or said, "Look, that's only going to accelerate when I retire." Uh,
0: changes here. <laughs> <laughs> and it, right and it's it's the new normal um and so I, I i don't see us going backwards um i think it will actually i'm hoping that for those that are resistant they will say you know what this is just one more thing that i can do um and it will open them up to the possibilities of doing that i think the the great thing about the online experience as well is that um for for me, I, I I do hold my classes in real time. At least for once a week, we do get together as a class, and we do get all all on at the same time. So we're seeing each other and having real time conversations. But the the due dates that we have, they've they've got time to do that at their at their speed with their life with whatever challenges they've got going on. So it's not like you know you have to do this before we leave class today. Um, they have until Sunday midnight to do you know, uh, homework or they have until the next time that we meet to get stuff done. There's online chat and online uh, discussion boards. So it's, it's happening in the virtual time of, uh, of the online experience. So they can do it first thing in the morning when they wake up, before they go to bed, on the weekends, whatever works for them within their, within their schedules, um, which again, I think just adds a whole level of flexibility to everyone getting still the level of education that they're needing um, and allows us to to transmit what we know and, and our experiences into that real world example that they're looking for.
1: Yeah, great. Well, Ari, one one last uh, question here, and it's more uh, a, of a personal reflection on on gratitude uh, in light of everything that uh, that has unfolded, uh, and specifically, obviously, in our world of work, human, that's the anchor of of, of what we do. Um, and so we're we're immersed in the world of gratitude on an hourly basis actually um, uh, you know as this is unfolded in and, and continues to um, are you looking at gratitude any any differently
0: um yeah uh, the, the word means a lot more these days uh to me um you know and, and so when when i think about uh, what I'm grateful for, and and who and what, or who I have gratitude to, I, I you know every morning I wake up and I think about all those people um, that have been up all night long, um, taking care of you know those 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 that need the help the, right now, um, it, the nurses, the doctors, absolutely, uh, but even the first responders, right, the EMTs that are going to people's homes, the firefighters, the the medics, the 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 police officers, all those folks that are running as we always see them do, right? They're running towards harm. Um, where the rest of us are being told to, of course, but we wouldn 't necessarily do that right we 're hunkering down in in our homes in our shelters well they 're running towards um, those that need help um, you know so so a lot of gratitude to those uh, to those individuals and of course all of the support folks that work in those hospitals in those institutions um, the, the the folks you know my, my background was working in biotech and pharma companies for many, many years. Um, And so I always found for me a connection to the scientists. And while they were the ones finding cures to cancer, and I was sitting in in HR technologies, I was like, well, what's my connection to what we do? And, And what's, you know, what's my purpose of being here? And I was, and I and I tell my students this too, find your why of why, what is that purpose and passion of why you do what you do and who you do it for. Um, and so I'm grateful for those support folks too, in HR, in finance, in payroll, in those folks that are working in the back office and that nobody knows it's because of them and all of them together that those scientists come to these great companies to do their great work, to find the virus, you know, the cures to these viruses, to cure cancer, to do this great amount of work in the hospital systems as well, right? It's the people that are taking the patients in, signing them in, uh, in the chart rooms, in the basements, wherever they may be, they're a part of of that institution. They're a part of that greatness that they're delivering every day. Um, to the folks that are delivering foods into our stores and right and stocking our shelves, um, it, that's hard work and it goes on all day and all night long. And so I'm gra- grateful for all of those folks that are out there doing that all. And then for everyone that's working from home and um, really Keeping the great work going um, of of all the organizations around the world, I think it's it's us doing our best at every moment that's going to get us out of this and, and leave it lead lead us to a better place tomorrow.
1: Yeah, uh, it is um, HR. The role of HR uh, to me has always come down to one really simple definition that takes on an increased relevance now, um, which is that HR. We're the people who take care of people, so that they can take care of
0: people. Absolutely,
1: and that has always uh, been been true amongst certainly frontline responders, generally whether you're talking about EMTs, um, uh, social workers. Yeah. But now that's that's really true, uh, you know, in in particular, and so. And uh, that also applies to uh, people like yourself, Ari, who are uh, making sure that um, our young people continue to have the access to education that will better their their lives. It's all this ecosystem now of interconnectedness after maybe being lost in uh, the valley of uh singular and isolated individualism which is now is being forced upon us of course mm-hmm. we see how much we miss that you know now yeah. so yeah. well thanks Ari for joining us it was uh great to uh, to talk with you uh to hear a little bit what's about what's unfolding uh not just in the world of, of uh, academia but in the world of adult learning you know in particular where we know that the impact of this is uh, is, is different. So yeah. we're looking forward to Thank hearing a, a lot more uh, from you.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time as well. Pleasure.
1: Thanks again for joining us today. And thanks to Ari, who took some time away from his ranch to talk with us a little bit about the impact uh, that uh, COVID-19 is having on his students and adult learners in particular. Whether we have family members or educators or school-age children, each of us have felt the impact of COVID-19 on the education system. We're all in this state of adjusting uh, and transitioning. But I was particularly struck by Ari's observation that even though he has students who have lost an income or perhaps are now taking care of an elder member of their family or someone in their family that they're still going to class. uh, And if anything, they're doubling down on their commitment uh, to higher learning there's a lesson in that for all of us and so for more of those uh, insights and tips and feedbacks that's just not coming you know certainly from the topics that we create but but more of the people who in many ways are are touched impacted um, uh, by COVID-19 from all different walks of society Uh, we've been doing these uh, keeping work human series for a while and every single a conversation uh, informs my perspective. I learned something that, that I didn't know before in the way of how people are responding. I'm inspired, I'm energized, and I hope that you are too. So we hope that you'll continue to join us. We'll see you soon.